before we start today's episode, our hearts and feelings go out to the victims of the Manchester attack. We stand by our brothers and sisters across the pond, and we hate that this kind of violence happened over there. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best to get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, you cretin! You're a fuckhead! That's what you are! A fucking shithead! It was a joke, Mark. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Hey, everybody. This is the Yell Dude Brothers Podcast, Episode 6. This is the new face of America, Lee. And this is the phenomenal one, Sean. And welcome back. Uh... To this weekend, we have a three-day weekend with Memorial Day, and I think it's important to acknowledge Memorial Day and those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely important. I'm glad that uh, you are taking time to remind people that Memorial Day is for the the deceased and not the currently serving, because that's one thing that really like uh, triggers me. Absolutely, and as a somebody who's about to become a veteran, it very much bothers me when people thank me for my services weekend just remember the people who gave that ultimate sacrifice it's very very important yeah definitely definitely um so i have uh, mentioned this a couple times to you but i have not really talked about it so i want to tell you just like very briefly about my little adventure that i had today uh while i was at work i got to work about i don't know about noon or so and my first customers in were driving this pretty nice 66 Mustang, beautiful, that beautiful car, good. cherry, cherry condition, oh, yeah. like beautiful. It was white with like a baby blue interior and it was a beautiful car. I like the sound of that. And uh, I noticed that as they were leaving that um, there was something wrong with this said vehicle and that uh, they weren't able to get it start. So I walked out of there and I said, hey, do you need a jump? He looked at me and he said, probably am going to need a jump. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I can help you with that. So I pulled my car around and I handed him the jumper cables. And now I just want you to know, this guy's like 65. Okay. <laughs> like, sure. It's an older guy, like my dad's age. Right. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, all right, well, now what do we do? <laughs> and I said, okay, oh, well. Uh, we're going to connect the positive cable. You're going to connect the red, you know, so I connected my red cable to the positive. I said, okay, you're going to connect to your positive terminal. And now you connect your negative terminal. And he said, okay. And then when I touched my negative, the negative cable to my negative terminal, spark shot out like it was a fucking arc welder. Fourth of July. And yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, okay, well, whatever. So I just ended up clamping and just saying, you know, screw it. So about 30 seconds later, one of my coworkers comes running out and yelling fire. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? So oh, I jump yeah. out and I look at the jumper cables on the Mustang and they have burst into flames. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I am like, and of course, as somebody who works for an insurance company and has a sister who's an attorney, my first thought is, this guy is going to sue the shit out of me if I fuck up his car. <laughs> so I grab, the, I grab the, the jumper cable that's attached to my car that's not on flames, and, uh, and uh, 
and it like it was so unbelievably hot that it like it burned me it was so hot and so i whipped it back and when i did you know how the jumper cables are like fused to get, like there's the red and the black cable and they're kind of like fused together right the cables were so hot that the cable just melted through the red um uh insulation brutal yeah it was crazy i got uh yeah i burned my hand i um ended up like uh we ended up uh, using like a shoe to just knock the in-flame jumper cables off of the Mustang. So I was like, I was like adrenaline fucking central, you know. Dude, I can imagine. That is, that's crazy. And so uh, I think that they thought that there was a chance that I might sue them because I am pretty sure that he, uh, like I'm not an expert in jumping cars, but I am almost like 99% sure he hooked the positive to the negative ah. and it created a short, which is why the jumper cables heated up. Also his jumper cables were hot, were hot garbage. <laughs> and um, I think that they were very like, I think that they were like a 10 gauge wire or something like that because they melted yeah. like super fast. That that's but, not good. But he ended up giving me um, about 80 bucks cash and um, then called like twice throughout the day to make sure that my hand was okay. Cause I, like I said, I did burn my hand on the, the jumper cables and I had to assure him that I was not going to sue him um, for anything, but I was like super worried about him and of course my car. Cause I didn't know what had happened to, if anything had happened to my car. And fortunately my car was okay. So, well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're all right. I mean, it's better than my story of tripping on a hot wheel and ended up with a grade three ankle sprain. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We both, uh, we both have injured ourselves in ridiculous ways in the last week and a half. Yeah, it, it, it's been less than ideal, but yeah. what is ideal is this week's episode of Peep Show, which is Funeral, which is the sixth and final episode of Season 1, which originally aired on October 24th, 2003. Yeah, I'm super glad that we have season, that we are officially getting Season 1 in the bag. And, um, yeah, this this episode, um, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you much about it, you know, uh, three months ago. And then I watched it again for this podcast and I just could not get over how like dark this episode starts and then how just absolutely hilarious the last like probably seven to eight minutes of it is. Yeah, I definitely feel like two thirds of this is extremely somber and then it just pays off really, really well. Yes, uh, very, very well at the end. So to kick this episode off, we have Mark and Sophie in the car after a softball game. Yeah, and Mark is trying to ask Sophie out, um, and Sophie starts talking to him, and then Mark just starts immediately tuning her out. He asks her out. He asks her to go out to dinner at a restaurant, but then he starts, you know, thinking about everything, and finally he just is like, "I should just take her to a pub, you know, a good British date. That's you know, Americans take." Yeah, it's the British way Americans take their dates out to to restaurants. Uh, British people take their dates out to pubs. And he, he makes a failed attempt at asking, like, oh, do you like Indonesian food? And she starts explaining a bunch of stuff. And then he's like, oh, well, that's good. But then before Mark can really continue, Sophie asks Mark to turn around so she can change her top in the back of the car. And Mark is 
I don't want to say a little pervy, but he do, he definitely looks into the rearview mirror to mm-hmm. check out uh, Olivia Coleman's rack. Um, she's got a sports bra on, so it's not like he's getting much of a show. But this also throws him into a little bit of a crisis because he's trying to decide: would she ask him? You know, would she be okay with with him? You know, changing in front of him if she actually liked him? Um, and then he just realizes: oh god, oh god, we're only bloody friends. Yeah, it, it really is a funny scene because you can definitely see Mark's point of view looking in that rear view. And hey, I mean, can you blame him? Yeah. I don't. I don't blame him. I mean, uh, sometimes people provide you with mixed signals, and you're trying to decide: is this a signal of affection? Is this a signal of, um, you know, that I want to do more? Like, um, I think about what Jeff said in what Jeff says in a, a later episode where he tells Mark, like, you could have your cock in her, and you wouldn't have the courage to fuck her. And I, the, I thought about that a lot in this scene where you know, maybe Olivia, or excuse me, maybe Sophie kind of sees Mark that same way, that kind of weak, defenseless, little meek, you know, person that even if she took her top off in front of him, that, you know, he wouldn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything because he's practically invisible. Well, and I think so too, because it's not really until the next season where we see Mark actually make a real effort to court Sophie. Yeah. Um, so then it quickly flashes back to Apollo House, and there's a close-up shot of Mark eating like kind of a beans or something like it, that. It, and it's 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 beans and toast, and you know what? It seems like the British love beans and toast. I'm gonna have to get some beans because I still have access to a commissary. Those Heinz, yeah. those you know what I'm talking about? Those Heinz beans with a Z. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, but uh, Mark, it, it comes in in kind of the middle of their, the, the tail end of their conversation, and Mark is just like, and then she gave me a peck on the cheek. It's a bloody nightmare, because he can't figure out if the peck on the cheek is, you know, a friend, uh, a friend-to-friend type of interaction, or a more-than-friend interaction. Right, and of course, Mark, seeing it in the pessimistic way that he always does, says, you know, one step forward, two steps back. That's the key to progress. But that's not really the key there, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we see that one step forward, two steps back in this episode. Um, I really I really like how he's talking about, like, I've got to ask her out without actually asking her out. And um, he's just really trying to think of any way he can to talk to Sophie. I mean, it's, it's really good introduction to the relationship that Mark and Sophie have going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So, uh, meanwhile, Jez's mom has, uh, called him on the telephone to let him know that his uncle Ray is in hospice, which obviously we all know as intelligent listeners, we, it's not a good thing. No, it is. It is not a good thing. Jeremy doesn't seem to realize this and, you know, is totally, like, non-committal about it. Um, this is, again, one of those situations where Jeremy, as a nurse, like, regardless if he ever practices as a nurse, it is verified in this series that he has a degree in nursing. He should probably know that a hospice is for terminally ill people. And oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it bothers me a lot because I, I think this is probably the episode in which they kind of give up on the whole, well, Jez was a nurse at one point or had a degree at one point. Like, I feel like after this, it was just completely forgotten about. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they mention it. I'm pretty sure that they mention it later, especially in the episode where they go back to Dartmouth. Mm. But, I mean, like, I'm, like I've said, I, I said this in another episode, like, even the crappiest of nurse would realize, would know you know, exactly what this kind of, you know, what a person going to hospice meant. But instead of Jeremy realizing that he, you know, Mark has to explain to him, like, look, Jez, a hospice is for the terminally ill. And Jez still, I don't really feels like he understands what that means. Cause he's like, yeah, well, my mom on the phone, she said, whatever you just said. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uncle Ray's not a quitter. And Mark just, <laughs> Mark just kind of hits him with, probably not, mate, probably not. Um, and then this leads to Jeremy is just kind of flipping around the channels, and he ends up coming on to Sail Away by Enya. Um, you know, one thing that we know about about um, Jeremy's family is that they are there's a lot of like complications with his family, and. Throughout the scene, Mark is trying to convince Jeremy to go see Uncle Ray, and Uncle Ray is just, and Jeremy just does not want to do it. And after meeting Jeremy's family in this episode and in later episodes, it's very easy to see why. Absolutely. But it, like you said, Jez flips over and sees the NU music video, which is very important to the episode because it gets hit on later a number of times. But uh, yeah, Jeremy's family is really complicated. I feel like. He is, um, and I hate to say the term, but maybe more of a millennial sort of mindset. Uh, it's it's possible. I mean, I definitely think that if the term millennial had been in, in common use in, in 2003, that Jeremy probably would identify as a, a millennial, whereas Mark would probably identify as a Gen X, even though they are both like firmly in the... <laughs> in the Gen X age range. Well, and I'd argue that Mark probably relates more to the greatest generation. Yes. Yes, that is definitely <laughs> true. But so then we get Mark and Jez that's actually in uncle Ray's room at the hospice. And Jeremy can't really figure out why Mark is even there. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was the other thing that I couldn't really figure out. Um, why is Mark even there? Like he can't drive. Um, so he didn't have to drive Jeremy. And that means that, and I can't see Mark as the kind of person who would volunteer to go. So that means that Jeremy must have asked him to go. That's the only thing that I can think of because it doesn't make any sense for Mark to be there otherwise. Maybe it's just an icebreaker or as the voice of reason, but either way, they both end up in the same room. And Jez, all he can have to say is, what have you been up to, Uncle Ray? And Ray is quick to respond, oh, you know, mostly lying in bed and taking painkillers, and <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy just doesn't really know how to respond to that. Uh, he probably thinks that that sounds like the greatest life ever, but instead what he just responds with is, all right, and cool. It, and it's tough to talk about this as the two of us, because I know we've, we've both had people, or known people affected by cancer and fuck cancer, right? Yeah, like, seriously. This, this is kind of funny, though, because Ray at least has a little bit of a sense of humor about it. Uh, but it's And it sounds like a decent life for him, 
outside of being terminally ill, you know, hospices are very generous and caring and, and palliative, and there's a lot of good aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny part about this scene is that Mark is the one that is interacting with Ray, whereas Jeremy is just kind of sitting off, you know, kind of staring at Ray. And he starts talking about Ray. Um, you know, he asks Ray about being a cop, and um, he says, Oh, the Force. You can trust the Force, can't you? And <laughs> I think he's like proud of himself for this joke, but I don't think Ray has ever seen Star Wars, so. He doesn't like really seem to react to the joke. Well, and, and I don't really feel like it's a Star Wars joke. It might be a little bit, but you know, I mean, there is a brotherhood amongst policemen, and you know, I'm sure Ray is very happy that his police brothers and sisters have come to visit him in hospice. But all the meanwhile, all Jez can think is Mark is hijacking this visit. Yeah, and he's getting a he gets a slightly upset with Mark, but. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really, he's thinking it more than actually, like, um, you know, actually saying it out loud. Right. It's more like, uh, you know, whenever Jez, it comes time for Jez to respond, instead of having an intelligent response to a very grievous issue, Jez is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> You know, which I think yeah. is totally, it's totally him. You know, he can't real. I don't think he can deal with real conflict, but Mark is at least socially adept enough to show empathy and caring in a situation like this. Yeah, that's, that's really funny to me because that's, you know, if it's one thing that we know about Mark throughout the course of the series is that he does not really pay attention at all to... Uh, societal norms and so the fact that he's so into making sure that ray is you know taken care of is very funny to me it is and as as a matter of fact mark looks above his bed and notices a cross and ray starts to get into a discussion about how he finally found religion at the very end yeah yeah and, and i think that this is probably a common i, I mean obviously i have not died so well that's um, good i mean we appreciate that as listeners and co-hosts yeah so as as somebody who has not died i i can't really you know think about how i would feel uh, about a situation you know about you know facing your own mortality i have known people that have died and i definitely could understand the way that you know somebody could grasp onto you know, um, religion basically. And I am not a religious person, but I don't, you know, Me I don't either. look down on people who are, who are religious because I, I definitely can understand why they are. Absolutely. And if you look at the, the work of the late great comedian, George Carlin, even he says, you know, Hey, if all this is real, I'm going to repent on my deathbed. And you know, if all this is true, then, you know, it is, if not, then whatever. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that feel that way, but I'm glad that Ray uh, was able to find his faith and, uh, you know, at least comfort him in his time of need. But Mark and Jeremy are both non-religious in the context of the show, and Jeremy thinks that Ray's beliefs are ridiculous. Yeah, and then that's pretty much kind of the end of that scene, and then uh, we flash back to Apollo House, and, and we find out that, um, you know, 
that Ray has died. Jeremy got the call. Ray is dead. And, you know, the thing that bothers me is that Jeremy really doesn't seem that upset. But Mark seems to have more concern than Jeremy does. You know, at making sure that he's okay, his buddy's okay, which is good on Mark. Uh, whether or not that's sincere is another discussion, but uh, Mark is being very polite about the whole thing. Yeah, and, and he asks about, um, you know, turning on the news because I think he's kind of wanting to watch the news. Uh, I don't know. I was trying to watch, like, what the hell they were watching and it looked like MTV <laughs> or something. And I, I was like having a really hard time figuring out like what the hell they were watching. Yeah, it kind of blends together for me in this episode because I know at one point you see like Girls Gone Wild and a bunch of other No, stuff. that's what they are watching. They okay. find <laughs> at the end of the scene it, it flashes to the TV and they are clearly watching like pornography together. I mean a little pornog. I mean nothing wrong with that in your time and eat or whatever, but Jeremy's uh sitting there kind of uh, confused about how he feels, obviously, and hoping that Ray's death will help his family come together. And then they talk about starting a foundation. Um, Jeremy's hope is that his family will kind of band, uh, you know, band together and, and form a foundation, raise foundations for Christians and coppers where they're going <laughs> to you know, try to cure something. He doesn't know what they're going to cure. They're just going to cure something. And I love that term, the Ray Foundation for Christians and Coppers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's super funny. But we get the exit of them watching Girls Gone Wild. But shortly after that, in Tony's apartment, we see Jeremy trying to list, to solicit sympathy sex from Tony. Yeah, he he goes over to Tony's apartment and he is like being super. He's super pathetic in this scene. It, it's almost embarrassing. Like terrible. I feel. I feel embarrassed for Jeremy in this scene. In fact, I feel I feel I feel embarrassed for Robert Webb that he even had to like <laughs> act this scene because it's it's so he's so pathetic in this I, scene. I agree, and you know what? A lot of people have been there, but he's oh. he's. I mean, hey, look, yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but he's basically begging for anything from Tony, but Tony is completely oblivious because she's all done up to the nines and putting on earrings and makeup and obviously not interested. Yeah. And she is, um, you know, wanting to, uh, she's getting ready to go out on a date and she just is completely oblivious to how depressed Jeremy is about, um, you know, death and, um, he is a little upset that Tony is dating somebody else. And because this person that she's dating is, you know, shows up at the house and or at the apartment is ringing the doorbell. And Tony is just, Tony is just Tony. And she says, look, Jeremy, death happens. People die, move on. My dad died when I was three, but it didn't screw me up. I don't waste my life looking for a man to fill a dad-shaped hole. Yeah, it's it's really bad because she, I mean, Tony is a fucked up person. She is she is one of my least favorite characters in this show. Oh yes, yes, I I actually wrote that down in the notes at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, at the I, end of the notes. You know what? I didn't even read that, but she is one of my least favorite characters in the show. And she said, you know, like you said, she's not looking for a man to fill a dad-shaped hole, but she opens the door to her flat to see her date, gray hair, 
I mean, the guy's got to be 50 to 60 years old, old enough to be her dad. It's insane. Yeah, and Jeremy's really trying hard to get that sympathy fuck, but Tony is not buying it at all. Yeah, she is. She is not. Um, <laughs> yeah, she is just really like just shooting down his, you know, desire for sympathy sex. So, meanwhile, at JLB Credit, Mark is there and uh, just kind of think to himself, well, a funeral's a good opportunity kind of to ask somebody out on a date. He's still worried about his freakishly sized balls, which I believe is the final episode in which the freakish balls appear. Yes, yeah, I actually, for some reason, I was thinking that that was like a... um like a series long storyline but it is apparently not because like you said this is the last this is the last episode where it appears and it's disappointing because i enjoyed mark's freakish balls but that's just me but mark is thinking about how to ask sophie on a date without actually asking her which again kind of goes back to the first scene where he's just totally terrified to ask her out on a date yeah yeah it's 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 this is a very funny scene because Sophie is Sophie is like uh, you know is it okay to go am I invited um, and Mark just is like that's the beauty that's the beauty of a funeral no invites necessary <laughs> exactly and uh, you know Mark just kind of specifying they're going somewhere after the funeral like the pub he actually asks her out afterwards so we don't have to have a repeat of the badminton game which of course if you listen to the previous episodes was not great yeah it was not really that last episode he had a little bit of a screw-up um as far as you know making sure it was known that the badminton game was a date and so he is not taking any chances no. he's not taking any chances this time so he specifies would you like to go somewhere after the funeral and sophie just says like the wake and mark is just like yes like the wake <laughs> and you know mark not much of a risk taker but uh we get to the point where we're at the funeral at the church and the gang is attending the funeral with Ray in a plain cardboard box on the altar, which I have to assume Ray's being cremated or something like, something like that. Usually a cardboard box or a wooden box indicates a cremation, but I, I'm no expert. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't know that until you I, I didn't even think about that until you until you mentioned it. Right. That, uh, if you think back to films like The Big Lebowski where you know, they're looking for a proper receptacle for Donnie's ashes, and it ends up being a Folgers can. It's sort of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I have not, I've, I haven't seen Big Lebowski oh, in, in years. You gotta, in years. You gotta watch it again. Yes, yes, I understand. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a good show. I, um, the times, the, the time that I did watch it, I remember really enjoying it, but oh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember exactly what you're talking about, but I, I remember the gist of that where, you know, he's, his final voyage to his final destination is not the most glamorous thing in the world. It's not. And it ends up all over the dude's face. But honestly, a lot of pie ends up on people's faces at the funeral. And can we just talk about real quick, like how this, the, what the, you know, because in a normal funeral, you read from a a Bible, right? Not whatever whatever religious test. Excuse me. Yes. Yes. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, 
focus solely on Christians, but yeah, or your, you know, whatever your equivalent religious text is. For some reason, they have seen fit to read a passage from the book Scorpio Scorpio (laughs) Patrol, Life Behind the Lines. I love Um, it. I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read this passage out because I legit don't know half of what is said in here, but it's horribly racist in some points, and I feel like uh, this was the kind of book that uh, uh, Ray would read. And the line goes, As Jono let rip with the stolen Kalishnikov, and Squarehead fired off a round of Monkey Puzzler, I looked at the towel head I'd slotted. I didn't stop to think about it long. We all get slotted sometime. And so I was doing some research... <laughs> I was doing some research on this because I legit don't know what a monkey puzzler is. And so I googled monkey puzzler and what I found is it's some kind of tree. But I don't think that that's but I don't think that that's the context they're using because it said that he fired off a round of monkey puzzler. So then I googled square head fired off a round of monkey puzzler and I found I got about like some decent hits when I googled the actual phrase and so i got really excited that like maybe i can figure out what a monkey puzzler is in the context of scorpio patrol every single hit was a peep show fan site (laughs) and scorpio patrol is not a real book so there's uh if anybody listening knows what a monkey puzzler is in the context of this episode uh please tweet me dm us whatever you want to do so that I understand what a monkey puzzler is. And, you know, again, kind of a somber episode, right? So this, the 28th of May, 2017, the year of our Lord, is a, the one-year anniversary of the death of Harambe. So I can only assume it has something to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely could see, you know, how an episode in 2003 would forecast the rise of the Harambe meme 14 years later. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure it probably has something to do with Harambe. Absolutely. So uh, Jez's aunt is trying her hardest to make the funeral as secular as possible. And she definitely questions if Ray's newfound faith was genuine because he didn't find it until right towards the end. And, you know, if you're a humanist or an atheist or whatever, and, 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 you know, there's, there's humanists and atheists, but then there's the people that are kind of militant about it. And that's that's fine. People do what they want to do. But she banned all mention of faith from this particular funeral. Yeah, it's it's really kind of it's really kind of sad to be honest with you. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I am not a religious person and I don't look down on people who are religious. You know, my my family on my mom's side is pretty much uniformly pretty religious um my dad's side not so much so i've always kind of seen you know the the yin and yang of it but you know i i totally understand people that find um comfort in religion and yeah i definitely think it's terrible that that uh what is uh, liz that liz is you know uh, openly questioning ray's religion because you know uh from what i know of christianity God doesn't care if you become a believer five seconds before you die. The The fact that you become a believer is is good enough for him. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to get into a whole religious discussion, but... Uh, By the way, that is my plan of attack, is like five seconds before I go, 
God, you're my boy. Hey, ever since I was 14 and I heard George Carlin for the first time, that has been my plan. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, definitely listen to George Carlin. He's great. But uh, so uh, Sophie, this whole time, Mark is soliciting sympathy from Sophie. And I mean, I don't know if Mark's fake crying or actually crying. It's really hard to tell. You can only assume that Mark being empathetic yet a sociopath is fake crying. I 100% think he's fake crying. Oh no. Yeah. I, I, I would think so too, but you know, leave it to everybody's own interpretation, but is getting some, some feels from Sophie there, you know, a little touch on the leg, little, you know, sympathy look here and there. And Mark seems to be kind of digging that. Yeah. And finally at this point, Liz just kind of says, you know, hey, does anybody else want to talk? And Jeremy kind of seizes on this opportunity, and this is kind of the beginning of Jeremy's storyline in the episode. Like it's kind, of, it's kind of hinted at, but this is like really where his storyline kicks off. And and Jeremy gives kind of a great funeral speech. So uh, we haven't played any clips from this episode yet, but this is definitely one that's worth playing. So we are just going to go ahead and listen to Jeremy's speech right Sounds now. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I spent uh, some time with Ray before he went, and I just wanted to say that um, I think we should all remember that Ray, by the end, he loved Jesus. Now, I know, Liz, there's no proof for Jesus, but then there's no proof for lots of things, like science or the stock market, and we believe in them. Look, what I'm trying to say is that if I was dying and I decided that even though I'd never particularly been into, say, uh, Enya before, but that now I really, really was into Enya and that in fact I thought Enya was great and that Enya died for our sins and I wanted an Enya-themed funeral with pictures of Enya and lots and lots of mentions of Enya, then I think it would be a bit bloody rich for my sister to ban all mention of Enya from my funeral. Yeah? <laughs> you know, what, what kills me about this is that it's typical Jeremy, right? Because he latches on to something, which in this case was seeing Enya earlier, you know, a couple days ago or whatever on TV. Yeah, yeah. He just he just latches on to Enya and that's, you know, immediately what he starts thinking about. But I I like that he basically says, you know, it's messed up that it's messed up that we are, you know, uh uh trampling on this guy's beliefs and, you know, shitting all over them when we're supposed to be celebrating him. But he does so without actually saying those words. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he really, I mean, it's not a bad speech. No. It's really no. not. Like, he gets his point across, and it's rare that Jeremy can, I guess, you know, explain his point in a way that, I guess, kind of makes sense. But his whole family claps for him, so obviously he did. I would say half the, that's a little generous, half the family claps for him. Well, the. The half that's either on way. Mark's side claps for him. The half that's on his side is kind of sits there. Hey, either way, it's good that Jeremy got his point across. And, uh, I mean, I I can relate to that. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, so now, hero Jer- Jeremy is a hero. Um, they're at the wake. They're at the pub. I believe that this is the pub that him and Superhands go to all the time. The what, same one. The owl something, I believe, is what it's called. And Jeremy is just like being adored by some of the the other guests, where they are, you know, cheering for him and uh, buying him beers and. Um, you know, Mark is sitting at the table talking to Sophie. Right. And meanwhile, Jeremy, you know, he's, he's using the opportunity to get purchased more beers by saying, you know, here's the God. It came from the guy up there, not from me or anybody else, but Mark and Sophie sitting at the table and, you know, Sophie's just kind of saying, you know, or Mark, I guess is kind of saying, you know, one minute you're alive, one minute you're not. And we need to seize these opportunities. Yeah, and he talks about how he's going to buy an Xbox, but in this case, he's trying to use Xbox as a metaphor for asking out Sophie. Um, but he really can't. Uh, he really just has a lot of trouble getting his points across. Well, but eventually, very non-Mark again, he asks Sophie if he can kiss her, and it's very awkward. But she actually does, and we get. An uncomfortably long sequence of. Would you say it's uncomfortably long? Yeah, I'd say it's. I, I wouldn't say it's uncomfortable, but it's long. We get a long sequence of them kissing, and Mark is thinking about his, the entire time he's kissing her. The only thing he can think about is his weird balls. <laughs> so after the kiss, all that Mark can think to say is, "Oh, this was nice." Now. Yeah. As somebody who has, you know, kissed a fair share of women, not that that's a big deal, but I have never once said that was nice. Yeah, I definitely haven't. I, I definitely haven't uh, ever said that either. If you um, have, if you have, and it worked out for you, please send us a message. Let us know about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark actually thanks Ray for dying. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up considering that, you know, this whole episode so far, Mark has been the the sympathetic, the empathetic one, the one that has cared, not unlike Jeremy, who just wants to promote his own agenda. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then in that vein, you do see him at the bar, and he's got a yard of beer, and he is just going to work on that yard of beer. And, you know, it bums me out, I gotta say, just to be honest, as a former brewer, as a fairly heavy drinker, I'm a little bit drunk right now, if you can't tell, um, we need yards of beer in, in America, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna start that, that, uh, that process. Yeah, uh, when I was in New Orleans, I drank a hand grenade, which was, uh, which was out of a yard glass. I mean, you gotta have a yard of beer. Where are your yardies if you don't have a yard of beer? Exactly. Exactly. But then in the next scene, we have Jeremy on the couch, and he's chain-smoking. I mean, a lot of cigarettes, and he is very clearly upset. And and Mark just barges in, and he starts talking about how Sophie has agreed to go away with him for the weekend, and um, he's... (laughs) He's wanting to... (laughs) He's wanting to compare his balls to Jeremy's balls. <laughs> and he's he's trying to think of a he's trying to be direct with Jeremy about wanting to see his balls. Uh but Jeremy is just and Mark uncharacteristically realizes that Jeremy <laughs> is 
upset about something. Yeah. And, you know, I in this scene, I love Mark's... He switches from being Mr. Sympathetic, Mr. Empathetic, Mr. I Care, to, like, let me see your balls, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's just, He's just like... Jeremy, I've got a question, and it's about bollocks. And Jeremy just kind of cuts Mark off at this point, and he tells him that he got a call um, that Ray's cause of death was called Bowdoin Georgeson syndrome, Mm -hmm. which is apparently genetic, and he needs testing. Now, again, in the process of doing good work, I googled this disorder. From what I can tell, this is not a real disorder, and it does not exist. So it is okay for us to make fun of people with Bowdoin Jorgensen syndrome. They, yeah, they're they're crazy people. I don't know, but so Jeremy's scared at either either rate, and he's finally facing his own mortality for the first time, and that that twenty something idea of living forever has just come crashing down. Yeah, and you can you can see it in Jeremy's face that that. This is the first time in his life that he has ever even thought about death. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Jeremy's all been drugs and music and everything else, and this is just totally different for him. Yeah, and then this leads into a great little exchange between Mark and Jeremy where Mark is trying to cheer Jeremy up, and he just says, don't be scared. And Jeremy just goes, well, I am scared. And... This is, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but 99% of the time when people ask you how you're doing, they don't really give a shit how you're doing. The expected answer is fine. And if you really want to, if you really, really want to fuck with somebody, if, if somebody that you only know kind of well asks you how you're doing, just answer shit. I'm doing shitty and just see what happens. And that's kind of this, that's kind of what we get here with Mark is like, don't be scared. Jeremy's like, I am scared. To which Mark responds, don't be scared. To which Jeremy responds, <laughs> but I am scared. Mark, realizing that Jeremy is indeed scared, just says, that's fine. That's fine. It's perfectly natural to be scared. Because that's the only <laughs> thing that he really knows how to say. And speaking of Mark being scared... We see Mark at a doctor's office, and I'm just guessing it's a urologist's office, but he is destined to figure out what's wrong with his weird nuts. Yeah, and fortunately he has, you know, Mark, like I said, very conservative guy. So, you know, even going to see a urologist is probably something that's going to be very hard for him. Um, Thankfully, he's like... Oh, Dr. Runciman's seen this thing a thousand times. You know, this isn't weird. It's just two guys, one with his hand on his, you know, on the other guy's balls. Which sounds good. Unfortunately, the worst thing that Mark could have happen would be a good-looking woman walk in to take a look at his balls. Yeah, and Dr. Runciman is on a phone call and has asked his rather attractive nurse practitioner to take a look at Mr. Corgan's balls. Mr. Corgan's balls, I like it. She politely yeah. she politely asked Mark, you know, what's going on, why he needs to see the doctor, but Mark is incapable of having a conversation because she's an attractive female, and he insists that, like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal, 
I should probably see the doctor instead. And then he he specifies, not that I have anything against. And I think, I don't know where he's quite, I, I mean, obviously I know where he's going with this, but I don't, he just ends up saying, not that I have anything against your kind. <laughs> and she just kind of looks, yeah, you people. You people. And, and then Mark says, basically, not to beat around the bush. And then he proceeds to beat around the bush. And he says, it's a problem with my, uh, my, and the nurse just looks at him and says, penis. <laughs> and Mark gives a great answer. Cause he, he says to, to testicles. So if you feel no, happier, test, 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 Oh God. How did, how oh, did, I, it's like test to, to testicles. I, I mean, testicles, testicles. <laughs> it's terrible, whatever it is. And the nurse is totally unfazed, you know, okay. Trousers down, hop on the couch. Let's have a look at the fellows. And you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I legit have this fear too of uh, not just with like a lady nurse, but just you know anybody. Just uh, you know, a, a lady nurse, any sort of doctor. You know, like when you get the physical. I know I got a physical, and I was my wife scheduled it with a doctor that she works with, and I was like, oh mm -hmm. my god, why did you schedule this with a doctor that you work with? She's going to see my dick and i was you know this is like legit of this is legit of no, here i have so real. i can I, I am perfectly on mark's side with this whole in this whole scene and you know mark wishes she would wear a reagan mask which i mean admittedly would turn some people on probably or a batman <laughs> mask that but then he thinks that she would be a horny batman yeah, and then I like I like how he just uh, he pulls his pants down, gets on the table, and then tries to make small talk with like asking her how long she works there. And before she can even say anything, she just says "blimey," and then Mark is just like "blimey." <laughs> so she's asking questions, you know, does that hurt? And Mark responds, "No, that feels great. I mean, no, not great, just normal." Yeah, and finally, the mystery of Mark's weird balls has been solved he has a hydrocole and a hydrocole uh, and again in the name of uh, good podcasting i did a research on hydrocole and it's basically a pocket of fluid that surrounds one of the testes and makes them look enlarged and please, you actually have please get yourself checked for a hydrocole yeah and you know women also can have hydrocoles ah i didn't know that yeah and uh it's more common in newborns and you know Typically, it manifests due to trauma. I would probably assume that Marcus had this condition his whole life and just never had really a person to address it to. And it's probably caused him to be concerned about his scrotum his entire life. Probably. I mean, how many people do you suppose have seen his scrotum? I mean... Uh, I mean, very uh, few. At least in the series, we only know of, what, two at this point? I mean, not very many. Do we have do we have confirmation at this point if Mark is a virgin or not? I don't think he I, is because I, I, no, I don't think he is. He talked about darty parties and everything else. I mean, he had to have at least gotten something while he was at uni. Yeah, I would I would imagine that that was probably the case too. But I mean, it's just he, it's he, weird that it's just now his focus. He is a total nerd. Like I don't know. 
It, it, I mean, I guess it could be possible, but I would really doubt it. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that he has lost his virginity at this point in the show. Right. If nothing else... Oh, well, obviously he that's has lost Valerie. his virginity. Right. Valerie, yeah, that's yeah. what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, so, uh, <sighs> you know, the nurse is talking about the procedure to remove the hydrical, which is to slip a scalpel underneath the scrotum or something like that and yeah she just says it's an outpatient procedure where we simply uh, sli- uh, slide a scalpel into a scrotum no. and and in one of these classic peep show scenes and this is in you know a lot of times a lot of characters do this where they will just tune one character out and they'll just start talking in their head um <laughs> he just tunes out exactly what the nurse is saying and just is like, yep, that'll do it. Yep. That threw water on the situation. Cold bucket of water. And Cold hey, bucket of water. I don't think that I'd be too happy about that. Somebody, somebody some some crazy per sorry, some <laughs> <laughs> some person would. I'm I, not gonna say crazy because I don't okay. want kink. It's I don't okay. want kink shame. No, but no. you know, somebody out there is probably like, oh, I'm I, I'm just getting started. Well. But I'm going to stop it here and say that that's enough for me and back at Apollo House. (laughs) Okay, let's just go back to Apollo House. Jeremy is sitting in the living room in a bathrobe searching for religion. Uh, He has has all kinds of religious texts laying about and just can't really decide on one. Yeah, he starts with uh, the Dalai Lama's Book of Wisdom and... Um, he's just like, yes, Mr. Dalai Lama, I suppose you have to suck up if you haven't got your own country. Cause he's talking about how, <laughs> how in Buddhism, you know, you yourself, it's not the self that you're concerned with. It's other people that you're concerned with. Right. And then he looks at the Quran and keep in mind, this is 2003 when this episode was, was aired and, you know, Al Qaeda was still in people's thoughts. So Jeremy kind of says to himself, well, you know, this isn't the most glamorous religion at the current moment. Yeah. And then he picks up a Hindu book. Now, I have, I've had friends in my life that are Hindus. I will be honest, I know very little about Hindu. So I did a little research, again, in the name of good podcasting. The book that he picks up is called the Bhagavad Gita. And in the Hindu religion, this is, they have one, they have a series of books that's basically like holy texts, and I believe it is like nine nine to ten volumes long, and this is just one of the parts of their much longer, you know, um, religious text, and he makes a really stupid joke as he's looking at the the Hindu book, and he just says, find out the Hindus and the Hindons, and... I really don't want to laugh at that joke because it's terrible. It's but funny. It's hilarious, and I love that joke. So good on you, Jeremy. Good on you. Good on you. And then he looks at Christianity. You know, again, probably the easiest target. But he says, dribble not the ass's milk on Tuesday. But he doesn't need the rest because he's watched the movie The Omen. Yeah, and then at this part, Mark kind of walks into the living room, and he is packing up his bags and he's getting ready to go and um he's excited about his big weekend with sophie but he's trying and he's really trying not to notice how distressed jeremy is uh we did not mention this um 
and we skipped over this part and I apologize, but basically Jeremy has to wait until Monday to find out if he also has the um, uh, Budon uh, Gorgonson <laughs> Budon Gorgonson syndrome. So he has got to wait until Monday. Um, Monday is a long way away. Uh, I can imagine that two days would probably be seem like an eternity when you're trying to decide, um, you know, if you're going to be dying or young or not. Right. Absolutely. And you can tell Mark is, uh, you know, like concerned, but at the same time, he doesn't want to be too concerned or where he feels obligated to invite Jeremy on their weekend alone together. And Sophie is the normal person in this situation. And she realizes, you know, Jeremy is definitely distressed about Budon Gorgonson syndrome and, you know, Mark tries to basically kind of blow it off. And he says, you know, the thing is, is he's definitely not dying. He's not even definitely ill. Yeah, they notice that Jeremy is like carved something on his arm. But Mark informs Sophie it's just Byra, which is uh, an ink pen brand. And Jeremy has moved past whining about things and is now investigating all of his spiritual possibilities via these texts. And I don't really like this joke because you don't see you you never see what Jeremy allegedly carved into his arm, so I feel like that that joke is a little like I get where it's, it's flat. I, yeah, it's a little flat for me. Like, you know, later you actually do see a character carving something into one of their arms, and it's uh, like a focal point for you know an entire scene. But this, she just casually mentions, "Oh, what about the carving in his arm?" You know, right. I, I, yeah. I don't no, know. I, I agree. And, you know, meanwhile, Jeremy's watching some kind of new age hippie channel on uh, British cable. And I mean, we have some weird channels over here, but it seems like British broadcasting has some pretty strange channels as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeremy is trying to think about what he's going to do now that Mark is gone and he is going to, he's potentially going to, you know, put the kibosh on his quest for religion for a little while and he's gonna go smoke a bunch of weed and then sit on big Suze's dildo and then wank himself dry and then he's he also thinks that he could go to the place that superhand says is a knocking shop and i actually had to look up what a knocking shop was i mean i smart enough human to kind of get the gist of what it is but it's basically a, a house it's not like a brothel it's not a business it's literally like somebody's house where you can go to get a hand job yeah, and I'm glad that you didn't make me say it because sitting on Big Suze's dildo, we never seen Big Suze's dildo. Maybe it's sitting next to Mark's sexual companion that we get to meet in later episodes. Yeah, but, I wonder if it's bigger or smaller than Kenneth. I, uh, I it's know, probably got to be smaller than Kenneth because Kenneth is gigantic. Kenneth is pretty impressive. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. But Mark walks back in and proposes that Jeremy comes with him and Sophie on their weekend. Which obviously Mark doesn't care for. Yeah, and this is a this is a this is a really funny scene, and I love this scene because to each other's faces, Mark clearly does not want Jeremy to come, and Jeremy does want to go, but he's trying to play it off like he doesn't. And this is a theme we see through the entire series. I feel like Mark is always trying to be the nice guy, and Jeremy's always trying to be like, oh no no no. But then it always ends up poorly. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is one of these scenes where um, 
Mark just comes in and he says, me and Soph, we're just having a chat. And well, we were saying is that we both really want is for you to come along on our weekend. And Jeremy is just instantly like, oh, yeah, well, I kind of had plans. Now, <laughs> we know what his plans are, which is to to put a dildo in his butt and then wank himself dry. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, also potentially go do a tab of acid and get a massage. So Jeremy doesn't really have much in the way of plans for the weekend. No, definitely not. But Mark offers for Jeremy to bring his religious text with him and, you know, thinks to himself, well, maybe he doesn't want to come. And Jeremy at the same time is like, well, it's all bullshit. Yeah, but, does, he's yeah he's saying that he doesn't need to bring his religious text with him because it's all bullshit. Right, but he really wants me to come. And Mark says to Jeremy, well, it'll be such a laugh. But internally, Mark is saying, please say no. You know, it's a theme we see throughout the series. And then Jeremy just, Jeremy, and once we find out what Jeremy is thinking, it makes sense why he decides to come. But he says, okay, all right, if you really want me to. And internally, Jeremy just thinks, God, I didn't realize he was this terrified of sex. And now that we have kind of talked it out, let's go ahead and we'll just listen to this exchange because it is pretty, I think it's pretty funny. Uh, Jez, me and Soph, we were just having a chat and, well, what we were saying is that actually what we both really want is for you to come along on our weekend. Yeah? Oh, I kind of had plans. Oh, come on, you can take your religious texts with you. Maybe he really doesn't want to come. No point. I've got that taped. It's all bullshit. God, he really, really wants me to come. It'll just be such a laugh. Please say no. Please say no. Uh, well, all right, I guess, if you really want me to. God, I didn't realize he was this terrified of sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark oh, is pretty man. terrified of sex, but I don't think he's that terrified that he would want Jeremy to come. No. You know, to come on vacation with them, excuse me. Absolutely not. And I think we've all had situations like this where we're making an attempt to be nice, but it's just a token. I mean, the person takes you up on it, and then yeah. all your plans get shot to hell. Yeah, because you really don't want to be involved with the other person. I mean,. I, I've definitely had experiences like that where, you know, I invited a friend out to dinner and it was mainly to be nice and I just assumed that they would say no. And uh, next thing I know, they're at dinner with us and it's just kind of <laughs> awkward because you're just like, oh, you actually came to this dinner. That's cool. fun. Yeah. 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 Good to see I you, actually. Buddy. I actually had a very awkward experience with a coworker last weekend that was very, I felt this was very peep show-esque exchange where I was sitting at, I was in my break room at work. The break room was completely empty except for me, right? We have, I don't know, eight or nine tables in this room, the big round tables, about seven to eight chairs in at sure. each table. So, you know, there's, there's ostensibly room for about 60 people to sit in there and I was sitting at this table and I was completely on my phone. Like I was not, I was not presenting myself in any way, shape or form that would indicate that I wanted to have a conversation with another person. And one of my coworkers walks in, I will admit I have never met this person before in my entire life. I don't recognize this person. I don't know this person. I don't even know this person's name. Okay. And she says to me, Oh, is this seat taken? It points to 
a clearly empty seat. And I'm like, no. And she goes, Dill, do you mind if I sit? And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, not, I don't care. Right? What's that? Why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I don't want to be rude and be like, no, fuck off. Go sit at one of the other eight empty tables, you know? And so she starts talking to me like we're, we're friends. And the entire time that we're talking, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I know this person, right? And I don't want to be rude and ask for her name in case her and I have had a conversation before. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And thank God that during the course of our conversation, she actually said what her name is. And so, yeah, I was like saved by the bell there. But it was the most, it was super awkward where I'm just like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, yeah. All those all those great interpersonal communication skills just like go out the window because oh. you're like, what the fuck is happening? Bro, one hundred percent. I was just I was so confused. One and I don't really sorry sorry for going off on this tangent, but I feel like this is you know, this tangent is in the vein of the show. I felt like it was weird, one, that she would just want to sit down at with a person that she clearly has never talked to before. And I guarantee you, if I went up to her today, she would still not know what the hell my name is. Right. (laughs) Yep. And, and it wasn't like it was, the conversation was like surface level stuff where we were talking about work or whatever. Like she's telling me about how her husband is going to be going to, college and how while he's in college because the dorm is really cheap at this particular school so she's going to be moving down to Oklahoma City and starts talking to me about her family and telling me about like you know her relationship with her family and I'm like what the fuck is going on it was so awkward I was completely Mark in that situation where I was just uh uh-huh so, yes. <laughs> so for our listeners out there, uh, you know, a little bit too much self-disclosure, not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was. <laughs> wow. So but we'll get anyways. back to the episode here. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. 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 After all that, we get Mark, Jeremy and Sophie, who is at the cabin that uh, Mark promised. And Mark is bringing some wood inside for a fire. And I like this little this little uh, thought by Mark because I'm sh- I'm sure that we can all relate to this where he says, if I can just get the first one over without any major embarrassment, first fuck is damage limitation. In out as much pow- as much pleasure as I can give her, apologize and then we can move on. And I just like how he includes apologize in there because uh, yeah, that apologize because he fuck up and it takes you back to uh, Valerie where he's like, what did I do wrong when he's choking her? But she's just like, you know, she's just trying to make it fun or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, meanwhile, Jeremy's lying on the floor and he is reclined on some cushions or pillows or something. And yeah. he's, he's surrounded by like eight beers and a half empty bottle of vodka. And there's an, just an ashtray full of roaches and cigarette butts. And by roaches, we don't literally mean cockroaches. We mean... The, the kind, the kind the that joint. I know nothing about for another yes, two yes. Yeah, the kind that I also know nothing about. <laughs> um, but the three of them are playing Risk, and 
when you look at the board, it is uh, unless the risk board has changed, this looks like Parker Brothers, like little Johnny's first um, addition weird. of risk. There's because, nothing similar. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like little Johnny's introduction to risk, where everything is like cartoonish. The countries are drawn like really out of proportion, and I just wonder if maybe risk. The game of Risk was like too expensive for uh, Peep Show's budget, so they just had the props department make one. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. And it's the same with the porno; like, it's pretty low quality porno. But Jeremy's watching some, and uh, you know, Mark complains about Jeremy watching porno. But he was like, "Hey, listen, I gave you the choice. We can either watch these two do it gently, or these two do it violently. It's up to you." Like, yeah, yeah. And you know, this is this is one of the things that when you look at some of these 2000, like this, this episode, obviously 2003, I mean, physical pornography. I mean, I do not remember the last time that I purchased physical pornography or it's been a while. just pornography in general. Like, it's been a while. Like I can remember back in 2005, somebody giving me a DVD and being like, Hey, you need to check this out. This is pretty crazy. But like, man, my question is, how the hell is the porn industry still in business? Uh, because people like to watch people fuck. But who pays for it? Um, uh, let's not let's not go down this path. Yeah, that, but... that, that's a long. <laughs> that's a long. That's a, road. If you have opinions yeah. on that, please message us, and we will yeah. discuss it. Yeah, or and, maybe not. And... We probably, you know, we probably won't discuss it. Don't send We're us anything. Gonna, yeah, yeah, don't send us anything. Yeah. Please. please don't. Now, if you have, but if you have a kick-ass porno collection, you can definitely send us the photo of your kick-ass porno collection. Absolutely, or um, videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mark decides while playing Risk to attack Ertzkuk, and this, or and this is just kind of the last straw for for Jeremy, who just explodes at Mark, and he's like, "Fine, can't you get it into your closed little mind that I do not give a flying fuck?" And Mark is just. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe he's oblivious at this point because he just responds, well, you will when I take Asia. <laughs> and Jeremy just blah, blah, blah. Nothing means anything. It's all shit. Game snacks, fires, man, woman, love. We're all going to end up in the cold, deep ground, and that's all there is, okay? Clearly, Jeremy has taken a completely nihilist viewpoint and ignored all of his religious texts that he's reviewed. Yeah, uh, especially the the Dalai Lama. Uh, he's definitely ignoring the teachings of the Dalai Lama. Yeah, but Mark doesn't want that to ruin his evening because he still thinks he's gonna fuck Sophie. So he wants. He says he's gonna go take a shower. And and he uh, this is like a really funny little subtle joke here where he says good night, Jeremy, and he looks at Sophie and he sees see you in the bed, and then pauses, room. Soph, and I just love that because <laughs> he does not want to make it obvious <laughs> what they're going to be doing, but it's completely obvious to everybody <laughs> what they're going to be doing. Well, it, you know, and especially because Sophie's obviously been drinking wine all night, and is probably a little bit tipsy, but it's never really said, but you can kind of tell. Yeah. Well, what, what Jeremy really wants is a woman's touch, and Sophie is the only woman around right now. So Jeremy thinks about how sad it is that he's going to die, apparently, because of the syndrome or disease or whatever, without ever having fathered a child. I get it. It's it's a tough realization to come to, but Sophie, who you know has an established habit of kind of just 
kissing people on the cheek or being just generally polite. Says she's going to bed as well and gives Jeremy a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Jeremy takes the kiss as an invitation, but he kind of corners Sophie in the kitchen and he asks to speak to her privately. And Mark is in the shower at this point, so anywhere in the house other than the shower, the, the bathroom is private. And Sophie actually points this out. Um, <laughs> she says, well, here is private. And Jeremy just kind of like ushers her into the bedroom of the house. Yes, and... You know, meanwhile, uh, like, it's really hard to tell what Sophie's thinking. It really is. But Jeremy tries to go in for a kiss on Sophie and immediately rejects him. But Jeremy, doing his kind of default action, just tries to throw Mark under the bus and says, Mark doesn't love you. He doesn't even like you. He's only snogging you for a joke, and he draws horrible, vicious cartoons for you and wraps them up in sausage meat and calls you a sausage muncher. That is an elaborate, elaborate scheme. I know. I mean, he literally could have, he could have literally left it at Mark doesn't love you. He doesn't even like you. Um, and then, of course, you know, he adds he's only snogging you for a joke, which is, that's, you know, that's fine. That's okay, fine. Cool. But, but then the part where he <laughs> talks about drawing horrible cartoons of her, wrapping them in sausage and calling her a sausage muncher is super funny it's i mean who thinks of that shit yeah certainly not me (laughs) no but sophie does a pretty good job of not letting jeremy get to her she tells him he's drunk and needs to go to bed yeah and uh and jeremy then tries to go in for a kiss again yeah but she she obviously rejects him and uh, jeremy suggests a threesome but, you know, Jeremy's, obviously, his sexuality is, you know, not concrete. As, yeah, yeah. As, it's, not, as it's not fluid. fluid. Right. Yeah. And uh, Sophie just rejects it on that basis. Uh, but Jeremy hears Mark coming down the hallway and decides to just duck behind the bedroom door, the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, yeah. He just he just jumps behind the door and, you know, uh, <laughs> he just hides behind the door and Mark just you know, completely oblivious to Jeremy standing behind him. Although the funny thing in the scene is the point of view is from Sophie. And so you can clearly see Jeremy standing behind Mark. (laughs) Oh, there's no stealthiness about it. But like in previous episodes, like when uh, Jeremy was sneaking around, when uh, Mark was going to pepper spray super hands, like he's trying to be so sneaky, but he's just not. Yeah. Uh, but Mark is just completely like, like I said, he just doesn't notice that Jeremy is standing behind him. And Mark is like, oh, well, Jez must have gone for a walk. Thank God. You think he'd be more grateful. He'll change his tune when I'm in charge of the morphine. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you see Sophie's expression. And the only reason I even caught Sophie's expression is because I was typing out this little exchange. And so I hit pause on the, the the Hulu feed that I was watching. And when I hit pause, it just happened to be right on her face. And the expression on her face is just this mixture of like shock and horror because she knows what's about to happen. Yeah, it's, it's not great. So Jeremy leaps out behind the door to confront Mark and just storms out of the room, super pissed off. But that didn't seem to affect Mark and Sophie very much because later that night, they're kind of getting it on there a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And uh, 
I, I like the transition because Jeremy is just like, oh, well, that's how it is, is it? And then he just storms out of the room. And then next thing you know is Mark opens his eyes and it's super tight shot of Sophie's skin to the point that you are not really sure which part of your body you're even looking at. And <laughs> from the sounds in Mark's head, you think things are progressing nicely where he's like, oh, maybe use some tongue oh you can do that again and oh. and it's a little like bleh, bleh. yeah we, but, we we talked about it before the show like it makes me uncomfortable when it's like the first person view goes to this point because it's like oh bleh. it's uh, like you can see pores in her skin it's like that close it's it's really funny and so she you know, and like I said, you you think that they're probably in mid coitus at this point, but they are not because Mark has not taken off his pants yet. No, he's still terrified of his weird balls, which he makes mention of Sophie is like, "Hey, listen, before we do it, I need to just prepare you that the size of my." And before he can even, you know, like say what he's actually going to say, she just says, you know, Mark Corrigan, stop, stop bragging and, you know, let's get, get a, get a condom on and let's, you know, do this thing. And Mark realizes to his absolute horror that he has left the condoms in the bathroom. And, you know, meanwhile, Mark, being the neurotic person that he is, is concerned about having to get her all hot and bothered again. And in the same thought, realizes she said Johnny's. So, like, meaning plural condoms, meaning she's in for it for the long haul. But when Mark walks into the living room, Jeremy seems to be in a coma with all those beer bottles and the vodka bottle emptied on the floor. But he also spots an empty bottle of pills. And I, I forgot to write down what kind of pills these are, but yeah, it's like a, basically like it's, a... It's a, Tylenol, basically. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Mark is just like, oh shit, he is dead. And um, he looks at the TV and he says... And Jer Jeremy is watching a, a BBC show called Tanko. Um, and Mark is just like, Tanko, that was probably the last straw. Um, so... I don't know why this joke is funny because I don't know anything about Tanko other than it's a World War II, you know, TV show. So that's probably why Mark is familiar with it. Um, I don't know if it was maybe a terrible show or something like that. And I think just depressing. Oh, I bet. Okay, yeah, I bet that's what it's it about, is. Yeah. It's about POWs, so I can imagine it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. and uh. The sight of, unfortunately for Mark, the sight of Jeremy's comatose body is enough for Mark to lose his erection, and I honestly don't know at this point what's the bigger concern for Mark, Jeremy or his erection, because he just is like, oh shit, it's gone, oh shit, it's gone, and then he yells out, Sophie, come quick, something terrible has happened. And they just, they, they call 911, because what else are they going to do? So, all of a sudden, you see, like, a fade into some light? And it's the crew in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, so it's it's Jer it's uh, Jeremy who's strapped to a backboard. You've got uh, Sophie and Mark, and then you've got a crew member from the EMT. And 
Jeremy is just, you know, like trying to figure out like what the hell is going on. And everybody involved just thinks that Jeremy tried to kill himself, but really he just kind of partied a little too hard. And, you know, let's be honest. Okay. Like everybody's had that moment where it's like, holy shit, I drank way too much last night and I'm waking up and like, what the fuck? Right. Oh, I mean, we've I, all I've been there. That, we've all I've had that there. moment. But I think that between the two of us, we can't do do this scene any justice. So we might as well just go ahead and play it and let let people judge for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and 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 play this whole scene. What? He's opened his eyes. Jez, we're right here, Jez. What? What's going on? You're in safe hands now, Jez. You're going to be all right. Was he behaving strangely before he took the overdose? No. No more than usual. What? He did. I didn't tell you this. He did make a pass at me. A pass? He. the bloody. He's been under a lot of stress recently. How many pills did you take, Jeremy? It's, it's really important you remember how many pills you took. Pills? Just the one? He's delirious. The whole bottle was empty. Yeah, the last one. I had a headache. I, has anyone got any coke? My mouth's all. I invite you here and you repay me by trying to, to have it away with my girlfriend. I don't think girlfriend's quite... I've been feeling very low, you know. Oh, were you? Were you? Yeah, I was feeling desperate. I mean, that's why. That's why I took the overdose. What? But you... I couldn't admit it. I was ashamed, but I did it. The bottle was full. I, I took the whole lot. Okay, if you two uh, step to one side, I'm going to do a stomach pump. What? Uh, look, actually, look, I admit it, I was joking. I'm, I was lying just then, not before. I, I didn't take an overdose. You can put away the hardware. I didn't do anything. I was lying just then, not before. Don't pump me! Don't pump me! <laughs> Don't pump me! Don't, Don't pump me! me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't help but feel like Jeremy's had his stomach pumped before and just knows the whole, oh. the whole thing. <laughs> dude, have you ever known somebody that's had their stomach pumped? Uh, no, I haven't. But, dude, I can only imagine oh. how shitty that is. Oh, a guy that I was in the military with, he was getting high on uh, cough medicine. Brutal. He took, he took uh, like... Tylenol instead of like corsetin and so he got a stomach pumped and it is like the legit is legit like the grossest thing ever where they pump your stomach full of charcoal and oh, oh it's, God. it's it's so it, it's not even painful it's just so much oh, with it oh but, it's terrible well, I can see why can Jeremy imagine. does not want to get his stomach pumped in no, this scene and again I assume that it's probably happened before given his propensity for drugs but the thing that I find funny in this scene is that Jeremy's like yeah I took the whole bottle there was only one left yeah yeah <laughs> once he realizes that Mark is actually like upset with him for trying to kiss you know kiss Sophie he he basically plays it off like he felt bad about trying to kiss Sophie and that's why he tried to kill himself but it, it's just it's a great scene i mean you heard it here if you haven't seen it go watch it but in the next scene we're back at jlb and we see mark pinching sophie's butt but that and, isn't and, exactly the uh turn on that she was hoping for yeah and and jlb has like a little uh, i'm sure this is probably i'm sure there's probably a actual technical british term for it but it's like a little um it's like a little uh like tea cozy, I bet I bet it's called a tea cozy because it's just it's a it's got a sink, 
It's got, you know, a, a pot of hot water. It's got tea bags and a bunch of coffee cups everywhere. Right. And, you know, so Mark is completely oblivious to why Sophie is a- offended by the butt pinch. Because she's very offended by it. Yeah, yeah. She she looks at him and just is, you know, like, oh, you know, you can't be doing that here. And Mark is just like, oh, well, you know, there's nobody else around. I didn't think you would mind. And 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 Sophie immediately starts to go into, you know, funerals are emotional times and they make you do emotional things. And and just like I said last week, David Mitchell's facial expressions in the scene are just incredible. He's such um, a good actor. He really oh, is. Oh, his his facial expressions like cuz Mark just looks at her and goes, "Are you finishing with me?" and Sophie is just goes, "Well, we weren't ever really." And just if you've never seen somebody's heartbreak, just watch this scene. Oh, you can definitely tell the exact moment that it, you know what it reminds me of the Simpsons, the whole I choo choo choose you episode where like Bart, oh. you know what I'm talking about? And like yeah. Bart pauses it and rewinds it. It's exactly that. So Sophie feels like everything is going way too fast and would prefer things to go a little bit slower. And yeah, she she specifically says everything is going a little whoosh, and I would prefer things to be a little but dumb, but dumb, but dumb. And <laughs> Mark just gives this like double really thumbs sad. up, you know, like Buddy Jesus from from Dogma. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. almost like Buddy. Yeah, it's almost like Buddy Jesus, but at least Buddy Jesus had like a happy expression on his face. This is like a. <laughs> Well, the saddest and, double thumbs up I've ever seen. And he had George Carlin putting him over. Mark is just a sad sack at this point. But Mark, yeah. Mark was wanting to give Sophie something. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, I guess Sophie had left a pair of her underwear in his suitcase. And so he kind of like, he folds it up really nice. And I just think it's really funny because it's a lacy pair of like very provocative underwear. Yeah, and, and he just... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, he just folds it up like in his hand really nice and just kind of hands it to her very awkwardly. And then I love this next scene because Sophie just walks out of the little tea cozy. Mark just reaches over for the nearest coffee cup and then just smashes the fuck out of it. He throws it on the ground with so much velocity that it just shatters into like 50 pieces and no sooner does he shatter this coffee mug than Sophie walks back in to grab a file that she had left in there. She looks down, acknowledges the the broken coffee cup, looks at Mark. Mark offers her this like weak smile, <laughs> and then she just walks out of the bedroom or oh, the man. tea cozy. Excuse the, me. Yeah, it is. It's really great, and you know that's just. I think it's that typical British politeness that you know stiff upper lip like. Eh, you know, some some battles aren't just worth fighting. But back at Apollo House, uh, we finish up Jeremy's storyline, where one more time he is trying to hook up with Tony. And yeah, and this scene starts off really scary because he tells Tony that the phone call came back from the doctor, um, and he he does have Bordon Gorgonson syndrome, and he's going to die in three months. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, Tony is just. 
horrible at the door. She's just uh, in pieces. Oh, it's all broken. It's all knackered. And apparently the older guy that she was dating broke up with her and she just cries, Daddy's gone again. Obviously, huge daddy issues with Tony. She doesn't yeah. know what she's doing. And what I what I like about Tony, and I don't say those words very often. No. What I like about Tony in this scene is that you actually legit think she's sad about Jeremy. And then it's only after she has cried for a little bit that you realize, no, no, she's crying for herself. Yeah. Well, and I guess this is the point in the show where, because you discussed uh, Big Suze's dildo, that I get to go into uh, detail about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair, right? So, it's only fair. It's only fair. It's, I also it, did have to say Big Harry Twat last week, too. Big Harry Twat, you did. And, uh, you know, props to you for that. But Tony at this point, so you see Jeremy and Tony on the couch, and Tony is just pounding, just mashing on Jeremy's dick, just giving him the the worst hand job you've ever seen in your in your life. And Jeremy's <laughs> already told her that he only has three to six months to live. So, you know, knowing that, she kind of like picks up the pace, like, okay, we're gonna make this happen. Uh, but the whole time she's crying and she's upset and Jeremy just looks very, very bored. And then in this you actually find out that he his test came back negative. He does not have Bordon Gorgonson syndrome. He's not going to die, and he's wondering like, what can he do to explain to her like why he's not dead? And he says, <laughs> you know, uh, um, I'm just going to tell her a miracle drug was created, and she increases the fapping motion, and he is just like. God, I hope she finishes before I start crying or before she starts crying again. <laughs> and then, it, you know, at the end of that, you know, there you see him in the mirror. It's a very, I mean, if you just take a good look at that mirror when you're watching the episode, it's a very odd, like, I would not enjoy that. But you know, if, you've ever seen, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, it's almost like the hand job that Skylar gives to to Walter in the very first episode. Well, I'm glad we're analyzing hand jobs here on the L Dude Brothers podcast. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the end of season one finishes with Jesus, I'm gonna feel so low about this tomorrow. And then yep. roll credits. And roll credits to Enya Sail Away. That's right. And, you know, I honestly feel like that upon the more critical rewatch that I actually really enjoyed season one more um, I than I recall. Uh, well, in that kind of segues into, we're going to do something a little different next week um, for the podcast where we normally do, you know, a, an episode by episode recap, which is what the basis for this podcast is. We're just going to kind of do our kind of our closing thoughts. We're going to close the book on, on series one, and kind of look forward to series two. The other thing that we're going to do is because our Facebook page did hit 100 likes, um, we are going to watch the horrible, horrible American Peep Show pilot that was made for Spike TV. Ooh, it, it's brutal. Uh, you told me before the show that you actually watched it. Oh, yes. I, I And I don't want to give away too much for next week. I hated every millisecond and feel like a worse person for having watched it so if you like people talking shit on the internet next week is the episode for you but we're also going to segue into season two uh you know and just kind of take a look at uh, where we're going to go from here but uh you know as of right now 
We have had great positive feedback. Thank you very much. We have over 100 likes, which obviously triggered this whole thing. So thank you very much. And uh, all I can say is I never thought we'd have a good a response to this podcast as we have. And fuck y'all if we get over 5,000 likes and I have to get Jeremy tattooed on my chest because I really don't have much more room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be terrible. Yeah, um, it's, it's not going to be fun. Would- yeah, I also would like to give some shout-outs to some people. Um, there was three Facebook groups that I discovered last night. Uh, UK Peep Show, Peep Show Quotes slash JLB Survivors, and Peep Show Quotes Survivors Group. So I don't know if those two are maybe a splinter from each other. I don't know. But uh, I posted about the podcast in all three of those channels, and it, it's been like a real good response. So I definitely really appreciate you guys you know, um, take a time to listen to the show and just looking at our traffic on SoundCloud. I mean, there definitely has been, you know, interest in, in, in the show. So for everybody, for all the people that have given us, you know, the hundred, whatever listens we've had in the last, you know, two days, the last 24 hours, Jeez. you know, that's really, really awesome of you guys. So thank you so much for yeah, all of that. We never expected this podcast would be more than anything, just than our own personal pet project. So it really makes us feel good. And, and thank you for all the shout outs and mentioning your friends and tagging them and stuff. Um, really appreciate it. Also want to shout out to the no context peep show Facebook page, because that page is fucking hilarious. I also posted uh, the podcast on that page too. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, again, thank you everybody. I, I had told Lee when we got this project started, you know, that if we had, I, you know, a hundred people listen to our, you know, podcast that I would, I would be elated and, you know, our kind of our, our, we obviously took a, a little lengthy hiatus and, you know, I apologize for that. And, Typically, our shows would get uh, each episode that we would do would get about forty to forty-five, you know, uh, listens on SoundCloud um, in a week span. Three days ago, as of this recording, I posted Dream Job. Three days ago, it is up to sixty-two likes, th- hmm. uh, sixty-two listens. Excuse me, three likes one repost and one download, which means somebody wanted to hear our glorious voices in a place where they do not get cell phone reception. Mm, Hey there, big guy. (laughs) Mm. I also want to give a shout out for the SoundCloud analytics that the most listened to city in the country is Boyden, Virginia. Thank you very much, Boyden, Virginia. Yeah, thank Uh, you, Boyden, Virginia. uh, Boyden, Virginia, down there on the border of uh, North Carolina and Virginia. I don't know if you're listening down at Kerr Lake or maybe at Boyd's Tavern, but I appreciate it very much. I I actually pulled up the Wikipedia page here. It looks like... um, Oh, shit. It's okay. Okay, I think you said that there's like 400 people that live in the town. We... A hundred... A hundred of our listens have come... From Boydston, Boydstown, Virginia. Hey, 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 Boyden, give them the respect. Oh, excuse me, I apologize. I I need to put some respect on it. Uh, Boyden, Virginia. um, (laughs) A quarter of the people there have listened to our shows, which means that we we could run for office there. Yeah, the uh, the the 2015 estimated population is 416. So, if I mean mayors. 
20 whatever the fuck their next election is i mean i'm just saying but yeah uh, there, we'll, there's, we'll, there's also a microsoft data center there so we could just oh, be complete yeah yeah we, we might yeah. just yeah we might just be fucked yeah, yeah. But, um hey if uh, you see lee or sean as the mayor of boyden virginia uh you yeah. can donate to our super pack there you go there you go we've already had five dollars donated so yeah we're uh, yeah that we're was uh, that was unso- yeah it's very very shocked <laughs> uh anyways we are we are kind of closing in on this being our longest show ever um of just pure peep show content um but yeah, I definitely have appreciated the response from people over the last 24 hours. And like I said, for I legitimately want to say for anybody that took time out of their schedule to listen to the show, um, you know, I definitely appreciate you guys giving us a listen. And I think we are going to go ahead and sail away. Absolutely. And you know, again, it's it's you guys that listen that that keep us going and and keep us recording. So with that being said, I can't think of a better way to close out the show. This is the L dude brothers podcast saying, and and we will see you episode 6.5.